artist's knowledge has grown, but you still doesn't mean they've gotten any more time. So the fact that you know how to go and collect these things, you really would, should be spending more time promoting your music, writing your music, growing your music. Like that's, and that's really where we think we enable artists to be artists and not business people. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with John Rasso. Uh, John is the CEO of Audium, which is a digital music royalty collection agency. And for about 10 years now, Audium's been collecting streaming and digital royalties for uh, some of the world's best music publishers, writers, tent makers. Uh, John actually spent 12 years with the Harry Fox agency as the head of client services and managed the team, providing support to thousands of publishers and digital music providers. And before that, uh, he spent over 15 years in record label marketing, publicity, product management roles at Atlantic Records, SST, MCA, Roadrunner, Live Nation artists. Uh, he's got a weekly live uh, radio show that he does on Radio Free Brooklyn. So uh, he's, he's a, a man who's been here in the industry for a long time. has <laughs> a ton of experience, a lot of value to share. So I'm, uh, grateful and excited to have the opportunity to interview him here on the podcast. So, John, thanks so much for taking time to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I was love the opportunity to talk about it. Uh, as you as you heard by my long list, I always like to say that I think I've had every job there is to have in the music business. And now, unfortunately, the music business has changed and created new jobs. So now I'm chasing those. And yeah. that's where we are with Audium. Yeah. yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting conversation. I'd love to hear you know your perspective. You know, being here in the industry and, and watching a lot of these you know, breakthroughs and revolutions and changes, and it, you know, it, I'm sure it gives you a lot of perspective on where we've come from and potentially where where we're going as well. So uh, maybe to to start with, uh, could you share a little bit about um, your story and kind of how how you started Audium? Sure. So I wasn't the founder of Audium. Audium is a company that was actually acquired by uh, our our parent company. Uh, CSAC Music Group. CSAC is, is most famously known as the, uh, you know, as the PRO, that uh, performing rights organization, I should say, that, you know, represents uh, uh, big artists like Green Day and Zach Brown and Adele and um, also Bob my Dylan. band, uh, yeah. my band Paradise Fears was represented oh, by, by CSAC as well. So, so. Excellent. <laughs> there you go. So it's as you as you know, CSAC is CSEC as a as a performing rights organization is not like ASCAP and BMI, where it's just a walk up and and people could sign up and they have hundreds of thousands of writers. They these uh, they have about ten percent of the market. But as you as you heard me, the, the, a lot of big names as well as a lot of uh, television and movie music uh, that they collect performance on. Performance being the what you know when a bar has to get licensed for music or a venue has to get licensed for for the actual uh, listening of music out loud. Mm -hmm. uh, Whereas, um, and so, so they're our parent company. So they, and part of the reason the company was acquired for the simple uh, piece, they also own the Harry Fox agency where I used to work uh, and had the client services uh, department. And that is a, a different royalty uh, right. It's the reproduction right. So that's what, that's the royalty that a record company would, uh, would pay for the essentially, the, literally the mechanical reproduction of, of, a, of a song. 
So you make a recording of a song, that is a mechanical reproduction, you make a digital download, uh, you know, whatever format was, and, and that's, that's what they call mechanical rights. Um, in our, our new world, we have a mix of those, which uh, frequently fall into a category that's called the synchronization right, which traditionally would be, I wanna use your song in my movie, I'm gonna go license it from the, I need a sound recording uh, to license, and I also need the composition that is the publishing to license that. So that used to be the volume of that used to be I'm going to go and negotiate for, you know, my TV commercial or whatever. And you would negotiate. There's no there's no fixed rate uh, or terms, really. But now we live in a world that there is a YouTube and a TikTok and a Peloton and all of these sort of miss and match up of these rights into these high volume user generated content, as they call UGC. Um, that just, it's like such a volume, you could never possibly negotiate them one at a time. And at the same time, we all, the people who own copyrights it, would like to benefit from, from those uses. So instead of saying no, they've come to a, essentially a volume practice. And that's where Audium comes in. Audium becomes the interface and collective uh, of, of, the, of our clients into a single group of copyrights that we then interface with the TikToks and the, the Spotify's and the um, uh, all the all the various there's lyrics there's and so it becomes all of these apps that use these things rather than having to go and find tens of thousands of individuals they could go and reach these groups of uh, 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 of publishing companies as well as aggregate digital administrators. Uh, of which, uh, you know, Audium is a, a, a leader of that. And so that's where, so Audium essentially was originally driven by the world created by uh, YouTube has a tool that people might be aware of called the content management system. And they don't give those licenses out to access that to just everybody. You know, there's there would be concerns if there's, it just becomes like a, a Wikipedia version of copyright claiming. Um, so, so Audium was set up initially to represent a group of publishers and and sound recording record companies to do that work and as and as as i was alluding to as it went from youtube to tiktok to peloton to um ultimate guitar you know tablature service all of that 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 just be expanded to all the all the type of things we we now collect over the years so mm long story lots of information but so i've been so i i came aboard uh, along uh with the csac acquisition in august of uh 2021 so um however one of the uh, one of our, our coo jamie propora uh has been with the company since 2015 shortly after it was founded in in 2014. so uh he's he's my thread that runs through it and and he has a uh, uh an extensive uh, amount of experience to having worked for Bug Music Publishing, which was a storied, uh, very great uh, music publishing company through the 90s and into the teens that was acquired by BMG Rights. Um, and then he was also, he started TuneCore Publishing at TuneCore uh, before moving over to uh, Audium. So there you go. There's the history of Audium right there. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Yeah, so, so it sounds like um, in a nutshell, Audium helps to collect money that artists are, are owed through people using their, their music that they, mm -hmm. they might not even know not they might not even know that they have exactly. this money that deserves to be collected exactly um, these things will go on without them right in many cases particularly like all the streaming services now you're you're as a and and i, I guess I, before i move to there just defining 
artist is, you know, it's, it's, it's become such a catch-all. It used to be, oh, I'm a songwriter and therefore I have a publishing company or I work with a publishing company. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a recording artist and I, I get a recording deal or I release my own records. I'm a, you know, it, I'm a touring artist. I'm a, you know, so, so the, 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 this is an all-in-one creative process now. And, but while, while you wear many hats, you actually had different relationships. And now because everyone's sort of this could be this self-contained publisher record company, you know, like mega, mega, um, uh, uh, copyright creation, uh, machine. Um, there is a lot of knowledge that's needed to go and, and make sure that you're getting all of the, uh, the revenue streams that those generate. And that's where audium is kind of a catch-all for a lot of those services. Uh, we still leave behind for that artist to negotiate, uh, to do the creative process, and as well as negotiate that, oh, so-and-so wants to include my song in a in a movie. That would be a negotiation, right? So we wouldn't step in that. We, we essentially are the crew that goes around and keeps things clean to make sure, hey, when your music's being used, they know who to pay. And and, and that's what we do. We, we probably spend most of our time cleaning up conflicts where other people have, have messed up a database that's being used, or um, there's more than 100% of a song being claimed. And so we, we spend a good deal of our time adjusting that. So obviously as as the the, the history of, uh, it used to be, I just wrote a song and then went, I, they told me where to show up and play it, you know, and then I recorded it, right? Now it's, you have to have all of this business capability. And as that's evolved, artists' knowledge has grown, but you still, it doesn't mean they've gotten any more time. So the fact that you know how to go and collect these things, you really would, should be spending more time promoting your music, writing your music, growing your music. Like that's, and that's really where we think we enable artists to be artists and not business people. So, mm. awesome, that's super cool. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now, exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. 
this is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. So maybe you could break down um, for anyone who, who's here who's listening, who maybe has a loose understanding of some of the different types of royalties and different types of things that their music um, they, they should be collecting, but it's still a little sure. bit confused by um, you know the different types of royalties. Maybe you could give a, a quick breakdown of the landscape of what are the different types of royalties for an artist who is maybe a, a singer songwriter who's producing who's um, maybe they worked with a producer, but they wrote their own songs and they mm -hmm. recorded their own songs. And specifically, like, yeah, what are the different um, royalties involved, and which ones do Audi does Audium specifically focus on sure. collecting for them? Uh, sure. Sure. So let me let me break that. I'll, I'll break that down from the most um, the simplest to the most complicated. So, um, so you're 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 an artist, and you're you know you're uh, you're going to be working with a producer, as you mentioned, and um, you're going to be when you're working with a producer and you're making a recording and writing a song together, you're actually creating um, several copyrights. Uh, the final product is a right. It's a song that and a recording of that song. Um, so that recording is owned by whoever it owns the recording. Meaning that the assumption is uh, you worked with the producer. You're you're making the recording for your own ownership. That you're then going to distribute it through, you know, a, a TuneCore, a DistroKid. You know, one of the one of the uh, available options out there of getting your music out there. Uh, uploading it to YouTube, uh, SoundCloud, et cetera. So you own the the assumption would be you own that sound recording 100%. It's yours. You own it. You have the files. Uh, great. So that's that's easy. You own it. You are a record company, but you're also you also wrote the song, and and you you agree to the publisher that his 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 beats he created and his arrangements, whatever that you're going to give him five 25% of the song. So now you own 75% of the publishing and you own, and the other guy owns 25% of the publishing and both your names appear as songwriters on the composition. Um, and please let me know when I, 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 you, you have any questions in here too. Um, so <laughs> yeah, maybe I can, I can just like summarize or recap what, what I'm, what I'm understanding too. Okay. So, I mean, I, I asked this question partially for, for myself. Like I've, <laughs> I've had enough conversation with people who are, who are very, much more experienced than I am in this, that it's, you know, the matrix is starting to become clear, but it's nice to, you know, kind of go deeper and to understand it. So, um, so it sounds like what you're saying is, is at the base level, right? There's two different you know, kinds of royal royalties involved with creating the song. One is the actual physical sound recording. So it's like when you record it, you have the tangible like sound that yeah, recording that can get played. But you also have the song itself, which is more of like the the idea or it's the actual music or the structure of the lyrics and mm. and the melodies as well. And yeah. that can be covered. There can be different like applications exactly. of that. Whereas like the recording is just one definitive recording, but you could do exactly. an acoustic version of, of that. And then that would have its own recording, but like the song itself would be the same. Exactly. The same. Got it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the, the same way, sometimes it's easier to start this example with you're doing somebody else's song and you only own the recording, but you're doing a Beatles cover. It still is, you know, it, it's written by Lennon and McCartney and it's owned by uh, Sony ATV music publishing, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's who owns it now. There's two writers that that still collect a writer's stream and and right so that's that we, you would only own the recording right mm -hmm. and and so now this is your you've created you've written the song um, and you've you've retained you've agreed to this 75 25 split for ownership of the song 
So, uh, and I alluded to there is within those rights, there's also a writer share that is that is paid to you. You you are the writer, you are the publisher. You are also the artist that performed the recording that you own as the record company. So you're I, you're four people in this already, <laughs> um, right? And so as a result, you have so you're the record company. You own that recording. You are the artist, and so the record company would owe you a uh, um, a performance fee that was ever whatever was agreed to. Now it's yourself, so you get all of it. <laughs> Right. Uh, so that that's it. But if you were if you were assigned to a record company and therefore the record company, the, the independent record company separate from you um, uh, own that recording, there would be some sort of agreement that you went and you worked for them to create this sound recording and they pay you X because of that. Now, that's that's a whole nother. You need to talk to other people to, to get that whole breakdown of that. But now we're assuming you're a, a creator that owns everything themselves. And you so you you have this sound recording. So then more so whittling it down now to I've also written this song that other people can now record too. Um, um, you own 75% of the song and you have it's it's, you know, creator music publishing and I own 75% of this song and a whole bunch of other songs. Um, and so now you as the record company put that sound recording out into the world. And so going back to what I was saying, so so you you go through a um, a distributor and that that sound recording ends up on all the the music streaming services, the audio only streaming services. Um, they now then generate two um, they they generate multiple royalties from that use. So one, people people um, interactively choose to listen to that song on Spotify. That generates a sound recording royalty that Spotify pays to the, the, the distributor. So once again, if your distributor is like a distro kid, the money would go to distro kid, distro kid would in turn pay you, right? And there would be some fee in between there that distro kid has for them distributing the sound recording on your behalf. I believe they're on a flat fee model where it's X amount. And so, so then, so hundred percent of the royalties from that place would float back to you. So yeah, as a record company, you got that. Um, the streaming services also have an obligation to pay a performance right and a mechanical right. So the mechanical right is they created a digital file whenever, anytime someone clicks stream, there's a, they, just to make it the, where the root of this goes is they've created this momentary file that you're listening to. Um, and that also during that playback time, it creates a public performance. And I know you're at home or you're in your earbuds walking down the street. It's that is still legally a public performance. The public performance piece is paid because you are a member of a performing rights organization in the United States. That is BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. Um, there's uh, there's uh, another small one called GMR that they, you, you have to be like one of the top 100 you know, people, it's like, that's where like Metallica is. And uh, I'm trying to think who else is there. Uh, Pharrell, you know, it's that that kind of level. It's it's similar to, to CSAC. CSAC has a much bigger roster. Um, so they're a little more focused. But so most people are going to be with ASCAP and, and BMI. And so they, all of those PROs negotiate with the streaming service for a lump sum 
right? So it's for your, we're going to license you for the next two years and you have to pay us X amount of dollars to use our incredible catalog, which is worth this and with stats and we argue back and forth. And that's a pretty sizable number. So all of that money goes to sit at the um, PROs. And then as the, the streaming services tell you, hey, we played this song, we played that song, we played this song, um, the streaming service, the, the PROs then pay you out through um, to the, the publisher and the writer. Now, I jumped ahead a little bit. That is not something Audium collects. You need to sign up with a performing rights organization as a songwriter and a music publisher, right? So you would... You would, if there is no, to shortcut it a little, I, I believe if you're, you are just a writer, it defaults to you also owning the publisher, if there is no publisher registration, but um, so there's, it, it, just to shortcut this, and I'm not a, the, the performance person at all, is they divide the world up into 200%. There is a 100% of the publisher share and 100% of the writer share, and so you would get 75% of each, because, right, we've determined that this song you only have 75% of. Your producer would need, in turn, to do the same registration because they're a songwriter and a, and a music publisher um, um, to do that as well. So we've got the recording so far. We got the performance payment. Now, the mechanical payment, mechanical payment through a, a, a company like Spotify um, or Apple or, uh, or Pandora or Tidal or Amazon Music, they, they get a blanket license for music now, and this all started in January of 2021. They get a blanket license and all of those mechanical royalties that they calculate, they hand over to the Mechanical Licensing Collective, which was a government established by the government through um, something called the Music Modernization Act that, that you may have heard of that was signed uh, in October of like, uh, I think in 18 or 19. Um, and so they hand all that money and then you have to sign up for the Mechanical Licensing Collective, or Audium could also manage that for you as well. And I'll, I'll tell you why the advantage of uh, would be to do that. But you, any any person who owns their publishing, controls their publishing, administrative public, can go and sign up for the Mechanical Licensing Collective for free, and uh, tell them what songs they are, and then collect their their royalties on a monthly basis. So now that's just the Spotify, Amazon, Tidal world. So that's audio only, right? Some of those services also have videos. We also know about YouTube videos and TikTok videos and Peloton doing exercise classes that, that synchronize or, or use your music with a video of a teacher, you know, instructor. Um, there's also guitar tablets. And this is where Audium really digs in because Audium has a relationship with, you know, 7,500 of these organizations uh, directly where we negotiate the license. Um, and I should mention quickly, mechanical, mechanical, how much you get for mechanicals is dictated through a statutory rate that is established by the, the U.S. Copyright Office. I know I sound like a lawyer sometimes. I'm not a lawyer, but boy, we are, it is a very well-regulated uh, business that there is all of a lot of this of how copyright uh, has been, you know, long fought and negotiated over the past hundred plus years. Um, so, um, so uh, maybe take a breath right now. Are, 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 are you following me here? This is so performance yeah. mechanicals as a publisher. There's also sound recording, which I think that was packed away. Um, there's also sound exchange for sound recordings too, which is another place, which is not an audio world that is related to that sound recording 
where you go sign up, sign up for Sound Exchange, and that is for um, really for digital radio. So not terrestrial radio, but digital radio. So um, lots of places to sign up. This is one of the things you get with Audium is you got, you got this this brain and Jamie's brain that that have gone through this and go through it on an hourly basis. Otherwise, it is very, very easy to get confused. So Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, a lot of times it's conversations like this that just make you appreciate the amount of work and time and understanding that's gone into uh, you know services like audium and fully appreciating that and and under yeah I, I think it's super valuable even even if you are using a tool like audium to, um that's you know, helping you to take care of all this um having a base level understanding of it and kind of a breakdown oh yeah um is very very enlightening so i appreciate you um sharing this and and yeah it would be great for me to like kind of re to refurbish your <laughs> refurbish the right word um, <laughs> to kind of go back through and summarize and, and and see if i'm if i'm following you so so we got through the the sound the sound recording which is like the actual physical sound recording that that happens when you create the re recording of the song and so if you're doing a cover song then like you own the sound recording spot even though you don't own the actual song you can actually monetize the recording of it correct um then we have the um the actual song which is split up into two different parts we have the publishing and the writer's share and if you don't have a publisher, then you, you basically own both of those. But the idea is that this is like the intellectual, like the song itself. And the, the reason there's a publisher share is because traditionally there's, you know, there's a, been a publisher that can c aggregate and then chop out the songs. And so that they, they would get a cut of that, you know, essentially song share. Um, okay. And then the performing royalties. Let's see if I understand this right. So, so there's a performance royalty that's collected as well. And this is anytime the song is essentially like aired. So anytime like a song, like anytime the sound enters the ether of you know, the, the airwaves, um, there's, there's a, the idea is that there's a performance royalty that gets created. And this part, I'm not sure if I was fully understanding. So, <laughs> so this performance royalty is sort of, do you say it's sort of like estimated or, or how well, and they pay well, it up so, front? So or? we're the, 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 yeah, the PRO rate is actually negotiated, right? So, right. I want access to the CSAC catalog. There is a negotiation of, of what the, the, their, um, the services use of that whole catalog for a period of time, usually a year or two, what it, it's a, it's a big number, right? It's X, right. And that, and then, then based on, um, the usage that comes in, the, the 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 performing rights organization then parses that out to their writer members. Right? Got it. Interesting. So, so there's a negotiation that happens between performing performing rights organizations and these other services that will use mm -hmm. it. And we're talking about like big, big catalogs, big collections. So yes, yes. There's really um, only four of them. You know. Okay. So, what are those? Yeah. What are those? Uh, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and GMR. So, right. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I would assume like, are they like roughly similar, like the negotiations that they get for each one or is there a, a Well, no, it's different? just, it's, I, 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 the, the, you're getting into the, the, the details that I, I really don't know, but there is a negotiation. And, and so I, so I can tell you how it impacts the mechanical rate, right? For, 
for and and we're I, I feel like we're going a little tangent here of 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 what really <laughs> yeah if I'm, if I'm going down to too much Louise yeah. we, we can we can we can pull back from that I can I literally could say this is a course so that you know that is <laughs> but ultimately it so as, as the sort of pinning there's a great book called everything you need to, everything you want to know about the music business by Donald Passman is a lawyer he's represented some huge artists and I I, I always recommend that book because it's written in a very understandable way um and he updates it every now and then I I can't remember what version he's up to but I always recommend recommend that book that's a that's a great one and that breaks down you know all of this stuff um mm -hmm. uh to a to a level that i i think is is incredibly valuable to an artist um so uh, i so so yeah so the performance like in and like the performance is also not even limited to recordings it's like if you go and you play live in a venue you're performing something as you say up it's out into the air and so the venue or a bar when it plays back something on a jukebox but the mechanical is uh, directly related to making a recording. Uh, right now, it's that recording. So most historically, it was record companies pay mechanicals. And mechanicals are only a publishing right. Songwriters don't, only songwriters that own their own publishing actually get paid a mechanical. So your, your publishing company, if, you, if you're self-published, you obviously get the royalty. If you are um it, and then if you have a publishing deal there will be a um a a percentage of your mechanical royalties that come in that therefore will be would be paid as well but once again that's depending on your publishing deal so so just to sort of bring audium into this so audium doesn't own your songs it's it's literally it's a it's an agreement for us to be, be your agent to go represent making sure your songs are registered in all of these places where you've you have caused them to be distributed to you know so you've you've put your records through distrokid or for that matter you're, you're the person you've worked with or the record company you've worked with has put them out there and in addition we have what is these the where you could uh like if you, now you're creating a cover and you upload it to your youtube channel or you put it on on soundcloud or or tiktok or whatever right so someone else is actually putting your music or you're putting someone else's music out into the world. As a result, those people don't know about it. And so Audium is there making sure that the databases that are that are linking sound recordings to compositions um, are properly set up. So when those things happen, the royalties flow back to you. So as you can see, there's, there's, you could peel back this onion as much as you want. So if I'm just going to be I am just, a, I'm a performing artist and I write songs and I give my stuff to Audium. Um, I, I, and I signed up with one of the big PROs. Um, I'm kind of good, right? That's, that's, that will, that will get your stuff. Or you might be, you know what? I am, I'm more proactive and I have more time for that. Or I don't, I never tour. I never do like, so I'm really self-contained. I could sign up directly for some of these things and I only could use, and I'll use Audium for just a small wet, like, like pretty much YouTube is it, you have to be with a larger organization. It, you you have to be a very significant um, uh, traffic on YouTube to have access to the the tools that I'm talking about. Um, and it, as some of you might know, there's a it, even if you have a channel on YouTube, you need at least ten thousand subscribers a month in order to monetize it. So so that's where you know partnering with. Uh, an audience where you you're actually part of a larger catalog we represent almost five million songs so obviously we have a little clout when we talk to people it's like i represent all these i mean we uh you know we represent um like the chuck berry catalog you know so something that is 
you know, definitely carry some weight. People don't have a music service unless their music is part of, oh, that music is part of it. So, uh, so things like that are, um, are, are another value. We also are able to negotiate settlements. So, right, a lot of sometimes there's, there's, these companies get started and they're like, oh, we owe money, you know, and then it becomes, <laughs> so they become settlements. Sometimes those that are led by the National Music Publishers Association or, or, or a specific publisher goes out. And then, so we're able to participate in these settlements uh, and uh, frequently those are based on your market share, right? So Audium would have a larger market share than just, I wrote a song, right? And so as a result, there's, there's potential larger claims that could be made that we share with all of our clients. So um, like I said, we could make this a 12-parter, but um, uh, that's why that's why we exist, honestly. The complexity of this is really the driver of, until until someone is large enough to, to go and either cut a big publishing deal where, where someone's going to write a big advance or 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 provide a service that you really need. Like if you're a self-contained band and it's not about, oh, I need covers or I need to find co-writers. Or I need someone to, you know, uh, pitch my songs to uh, to be in movies. It, you hang on to your own publishing and sign up with with Audium. Right. You have a, it's, it's your back office, uh, if you, especially if you, if, you have, if you have a smart manager that is aware of this stuff. It's it's a pretty simple conversation to keep it going, and just all really the, then the the only thing you need to do is make sure I wrote a new song. Let me make sure that Audium has it, so they could make sure that I get paid for it. It's it's um, it's relatively easy. So that's that's my goal at least. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I mean yeah. Every time I have a conversation like this, and I hear about sort of the landscape of these types of royalties, I'm always struck by like how. Uh, intricate and how pretty complicated it is yep. you know on when it actually comes down to the brass tacks of like the legality of how all the systems work and thus you know drives the benefit and the value of a service like like audium so um so uh one one question mark that, that i had come up around and this is great because every, every time i have a conversation like this too it helps me understand a little bit more so i'm like starting to kind of see the you know, the matrix yeah. but um one thing that yeah, that I'm curious about. So, the uh, mechanical royalties and the performance royalties, like those, the relationship with the writer share and the publishing share. If I'm understanding right, are those something completely separate from the writer share and the publisher share, or are those like subsets of the types of royalties that get split based on the sure. writer and publish, publisher? Yeah. Share? So, so uh, the, maybe the best way to explain. So, I've you're you've written a song, right? And and let's say you have a publishing deal. And let's assume, let's say your publishing deal is you've retained ownership and the the publisher is taking, say, 25% to provide the service of, of administration uh, for a certain period of time, and, et cetera. And so um, a song is played on a streaming service, right? And let's, to make it simple, it, it earns a dollar. Out of that dollar, Generally, what happens, this is so the whole dollar that, that let's just say, the streaming company makes on it. 70% um, of that is usually what gets paid out to uh, to the copyright owners for those. That's, that's, these are just general numbers. Of that 70 cents now, um, somewhere about, you know, 65, about, uh, not 65, about 55 to 58 cents goes to the sound recording. Right. So that goes to the record company. Huh. Right. And then the record company, whatever agreement they have with their recording artists, 
is what they then share. Oh, we have a 50-50 deal, or we, or you, I'm you're recouping in advance, so you don't see any of this. But you're, you know, so that's that's a whole other piece. So now we're talking about so what's left for the publishing is about uh, about 12, 13 uh, percent of that. So let's let's call it a dime to make it simple. Within that dime <laughs> is now a is your performance and your mechanical royalties have to be paid out of that. So whittling this down, the mechanical in a streaming service is what is ever what is whatever is left over essentially after the performance piece is negotiated out of it. So that's all previously negotiated. It could be anywhere from like I think I've seen four or five to eight percent of that. So take the performance piece out. Let's call it four cents or less. So six. So let's follow the six cents that goes to the performing rights organization. Six cents goes there. That um, that six cents. Uh, a piece of whatever your performing rights uh, service takes, you know, that's in the same range we're talking about, you know, 10, 20%. So your six cents is now turning into five cents. What is on my math at four and a half cents. Um, so then that four and a half cents, half of that belongs to the publisher, half of it belongs to the writer. So for the sake of easy conversation, now each party has two cents. Two cents gets paid out to the publisher, two cents gets paid out to the writer. Now you might be both and then you get four cents. If you're not both, you know, um, it, it gets paid out that way. The mechanical side, then we now have two cents left over from the mechanical. All two cents goes to the publisher. And there is not a writer share of that. But once again, if you are a also self-write, a self-published writer, you would get all of it. Or if if it was if you if you're a writer, it would go back to that the original deal where I said it's that you have a publisher and you have a 25-75 split. They would then give you 75% of that money because you have licensed your public or you've you've set up a publishing deal with it. If you if you would your publishing deal, if you'd sold the publishing to them, then uh, you would only get whatever your 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 percentage of that negotiated is. So there's a lot you heard the, heard the word negotiate quite a lot in there, um, but that's why you there's a long history of um, don't give away your publishing, right? People, right? It's a lot of times it, it is there is publishing deals that early. I'm a I'm a writer. I want to co-write. They could help me out, and they're going to write me a check, and I have to write X amount of songs for X amount of period of time. Like there's there once again we're sort of whittling way down that role. What to make it to, to, to once again bring it all the way back to Audium. Audium's job is to make sure that two cents is is paid, is collected, and and um, uh, the, essentially two cents out of that that whole dollar that was generated by your song. Um, and so, once again, if you own your own publishing control, your and we work we work on behalf of publishing groups too that therefore represent songwriters, and we go out and collect all that. Um, so I'm going to stop there because I, I could always keep going on a tangent here. So that, that's how that is, is broken down in a very general way, but that's how it is broken down. I, I don't know if that answers your question because sometimes I am the publisher. Sometimes I am just the writer. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, that was probably one of the best breakdowns that, I, that I've heard that helped, helped me personally, at least understand, Good. um, Good. in a very like definitive way, like having that, that dollar broken down. Um, it's interesting too. I, I so it sounds like. You know, if you are covering 
covering another person's song, like you can get like a fair amount of the the revenue or the royalties from from that cover. Um, Absolutely. From that recording, recording. Yeah, the record companies are the people that that make the the big money. I mean, not to editorialize to us, but you know, a lot of times they talk about how how poor the 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 the, the publishing rates are for these things, but the, the the or how much money an artist can earn from a streaming service. But once it's a, a lot of that, as you see that the the fifty five fifty eight cents I was talking about, that is about that goes that mother load goes to the sound recording. Right. So a lot of it depends on the relationship the artist has to the sound recording where a good chunk of that money is, you know, yeah, super interesting. And, you know, I guess but at the same the time, case. I should mention that's where publishers then get upset there or songwriters are in particular saying I used to be able to make a lot of money, but that's more of it uh, of the you would l release an album. It had 12 tracks. And, you know, if someone bought it because of one song on it, all other 11 songs on it benefit from the sale. Now it's, I'm just going to listen to the one song over and over. So it really shrunk down who gets the money. And then they shrunk the amount of money too. So Interesting. It, you know, it makes sense. So from a standpoint of being able to multiply yourself, like having the song royalties, aren't the recording royalties? Because like, I mean, that if song could be covered thousands or hundreds of thousands of times, mm -hmm. you know, if it's like, mm -hmm. let it be by the Beatles. And so, so I guess it you know, also makes sense from a, um, a multiplication kind of standpoint that even though that's you know much less that that could you know be much much more profitable although i mean if it's getting you know replicated that many times and you'd have to assume that the original recording is also you know getting streamed or you know being purchased yeah, yeah uh, a absolutely. lot i mean that's the thing um, sometimes frequently you know like um like most people probably know like and i'm gonna i'm gonna date myself here like uh, uh, like a, 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 the song "Take Me to the River," they think of it as as the Talking Heads performance, but it was originally done by Al Green, right? And they do a cover, right? And you could think of other covers that are possibly more like uh, "I Will Always Love You," Whitney Houston, really a Dolly Parton song, right? I mean, hugely successful for her, but massively successful for Whitney Houston, right? There's, and that that story happens all the time, you know, um, uh, where where the the cover version is bigger, and so. You know the 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 it's the songwriter that is benefiting from that not the artist that recorded the original version yeah mm, right yeah. <laughs> it's super interesting um man this is this is awesome and again it's one of those things that makes you really appreciate the under the hood like really what's happening when when you use a service like audium so uh, maybe we could wrap up I, i'd love to hear if you could kind of uh cast a vision for anyone that's listening to this right now who's like okay cool you know i could really geek out and I could learn this stuff for 20 years or I could, you know, um, you know, partner, I could, I could find services like Audium to, to work with. Um, how, what does that look like from a standpoint of, let's say that they do want to go sign up with Audium right now. Um, what does that process look like and, and how, how can they, like any tips or tricks to make sure that they do it in the most effective way? I know sometimes there's like a thing around like making sure that the song data is clean and like delivering it the right way. Yeah. So um, what would kind of that process look like uh, for sure. someone who's listening to this right now? Sure. So Audium, I should start with Audium doesn't have just like an open door process. We, through our website, there's an application you fill out and because to a certain extent, if there is, if your songs aren't, if they're not being used, it's kind of like going through this whole exercise that I'm about to describe of getting your songs put out there is really, it's not, it doesn't justify the effort quite yet. So what you would do is, so you're you're approved to, to sign up uh, uh, to join Audium and uh, the, the 
first of all, the basics, right? You have, we, we set up uh, an account for you to have access to uh, Audium's portal. And that's where you would see your payments and all the details of the payments and access to the videos that use your songs uh, that we've linked and all of that. But to get there first is you need to provide us with your basic um, songwriting um, composition information, that metadata. And that is primarily song title, all the writer's names, not just yours, uh, and what percentage of the song you control. So you and one other person, you split it 50-50, you tell me it's uh, my hit song written by me and co-writer, and I own 50% for me songs, my publishing company. Um, that is then listed. You also give us, um, wherever possible, who is the artist that recorded that song. It is your song, but it's written under my band name is the primarily primary thing. And I know someone else did a cover of it like those that's always helpful too and then there's something that is called a an isrc code which is the universal identifier for sound recordings uh, and when you're if if you don't um have one as your own if you're an established enough record company where you got your own isrc codes you would get that from your distributor and so we'd share that too because that is a primary identification code out there um and so that would then get added to the audio database and really, that's kind of it. Um, we would we would at times go. Uh, we would then take that information and we put it in our proprietary um, uh, 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 database, which goes out and then scrapes the internet to find. Let me find that song title uh, associated with that artist, and then we and then we go. Oh, these all could be. And then we go and we listen or we click and we link um, the songs so that we then know every database that we deal with, whether it's the Google database or the Apple database or the, or, or the Harry Fox's database and the MLC, um, or music reports, or there's, there's just right, a ton of places out there. Um, and this right now I'm sticking, even just committing to just the U S um, we, we actually have a partnership with a, a company where, uh, they go and they do these deals outside the United States and we make sure it's correct in their database as well. And then as a result, then, then, then what's kind of good is then the systems kind of start working themselves. They, it, they know sound recording XYZ was played. That is ISRC code one, two, three, ISR code one, two, three is connected to composition four, five, six, uh, 50% of that song gets paid to audium. Right. And then Audium then accounts to you on a monthly basis. So that's really the whole process. So it's a matter of keeping that data to us authoritative and correct. We in turn make sure that no one else has gone and collected. And sometimes we even run into you out there. Like you've gone and put your data out there and we get that corrected. So there isn't confusion in the marketplace of how it how it should flow. So I hope that that helps uh, the process. But the end of the day is we have we have staff members that will help you through that process right and uh and we'll and we'll bother bother you on a regular basis go we haven't heard from you in a while have you written any more songs have, has anybody covered your songs have you recorded your songs um because uh, a lot of times that gets forgotten so. awesome yeah that, that totally makes sense it sounds like it's the process is really streamlined so it's just sort of like you have one step at a time go sign up and and one final question that kind of came out of that was uh you mentioned that there's an application process and that really there's a certain point that that artist will probably need to be at where it makes the most sense to sign mm -hmm. up um what does that point roughly look like where you'd recommend um someone considers going and applying um kind of tough to say because it depends you know what what type of music it is or but generally 
your song is on a streaming service or on YouTube and it has a significant amount of views. And when I say significant, you know, like on YouTube, it's it's probably tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. But but once again, that could also be an aggregate, right? So I have a hundred songs and they each have 10,000 views, right? That's that's something that individually they're not a lot, but collectively it's it's that. Or I, you know, I have a I, I have north of you know similar amount on on the streaming services and then there's four or five really big streaming services, right so it's and, but at the same time it also I, a lot of times it's it's as simple as um you know i got a i just got sampled by drake right and that that becomes like well you better better make sure we get you know uh, that claimed out there it's it could be a runaway time a runaway train where it's um you know i my dad co-wrote a song when he was in this obscure funk band that now is the, like a, a famous breakbeat that is on every hip hop record, right? Like stuff like I run stuff that, uh, all the time, all the time. And those are like a lot of times it's just not someone who really knows what to do, but knows they're I'm supposed to be doing something. <laughs> and and so we could help straighten those kind of scenarios out too. So that's, there's a, there's always generally an interesting story, you know, um, you know, I, 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 there's, there's a lot of music out there that I think is just not being appropriately administered. Um, and some of it is very famous. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, Hey man, this, this has been a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's fair that, that I get to have a conversation like this with someone who has like a really deep understanding of, of being able to, to, to communicate that. So, uh, re really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and share some of the, um, the wisdom and the lessons that, that you've learned. For anyone that's listed on this right now, um, if you'd like to go check out Audium and apply for um, the service, then mm -hmm. we'll have the link in the show notes for, for easy access. And um, yeah, thank you again for taking the time. This, this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And I hope I hear from a lot of your, uh, your audience. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.